Last week, how many parents we got? Yeah, oh yeah, you know where this is going. Here we go. So last week we get, uh, you know, every day my, my son, Caden, uh, I'm using Caden as an example this morning. Some of you can go like this, okay? But my son Caden, you know, he, he gets a folder and every day we, we get home and first thing I do, you know, either myself or his mother, we open his book bag up, we put his lunch, lunch box away and we do all that stuff. And then we go to the folder because the folder is where there's the homework assignments. Plus, if there's been anything that's happened in that day, it gets written down. So sure enough, I get the folder out and I open it up and there's this little note from his teacher. She's a wonderful lady. And uh, so I'm reading it and it said, you know, well, you know, Mr. Caden here today has, has been very talkative for quite some time now. And we have now had to move his seat. And I went, oh, you know, obviously he gets that from his mom. And 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 so. I, right underneath that would, was, this might be a good time for a meeting with you guys. And, oh, my Lord. Oh, no. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, thank God he's blood. Remember that last week? The covenant blood sticker in the water, right? And I'm going, thank goodness he's blood related to me, because if not, I'm going to throw him into tomorrow. So we, get, we go to uh, this week. We have a meeting with the teacher. And here I am. I'm walking into the meeting with an expectation of just complete, like, wait till he gets home later. Punishment, no more iPad, no more basketball, no, you know, we're, I'm taking it all away, right? And I get in there to the meeting, and she, she goes, well, you guys might want to come over here and sit down. Now, if anyone ever says, come meet with me, and you might want to sit down. You might, what does that mean? That means you're, you're going to have to chill, all right? This, this may not go over exactly the way you were hoping it was going to go over. So anyway, so she gets us in there, she sits us down, and she just begins to talk all these positive things about our son. Amen, but I'm thinking it's a setup. I'm like, she's buttering it up because she knows what's gonna happen later. Are you following me here, right? And so we're going through it, and she's saying all these great positive things and, and talking about things that I never see him do at home. Like if somebody has dropped something, he'll be one of the first ones to go over, pick it up, for them and give it to them. And she's like, he's so sweet. I was like, no, you don't see him at home. His brother dropped something. No, no, in fact, Caden dropped something and says, Carter, you go pick it up, you know? That type of deal. And so in my mind, I had this expectation of what was gonna be so negative and I kept waiting and waiting for the negative and guess what never happened? The negative. I walked away talking to my wife as we were going through the parking lot. I said, man, I blew that call because I thought for sure after the note he got and the next thing you know, we're needing a meeting. This conversation was going to go downhill. And as I was thinking about that, I kept thinking, but what if it did? Like, what would my response really have been? Would I have written him off? No. Would I have, would have, would have I downcasted him or... Or, or ridiculed him in a manner that would have been demeaning? Well, I certainly hope not, right? And, but, you know, as I begin to think about that, I, I start tying that in with relationships. And that's what we're talking about here with covenant. You know, we, we know this, some things, what? Aren't meant to be broken. Some things aren't meant to be broken. And, you know, we look at it in the sense of God has placed some relationships within your life that are pure, that he has a plan for, something that he's going to do and use 
to, to really bring the glorification to him. And so that's what we've been talking about here within covenant is, you know, oftentimes we, we take a look at what is on the outside and, and, and then we cast a judgment upon it rather than going, God, what was your intent here? Like, what is it that you plan for this relationship? Last week, we really took a look and I hit you guys pretty hard on it on marriage. Understanding that marriage is what? It's a blood covenant. It should be a blood covenant, right? It should be a covenant that's not going to be easily broken. So we understand this. And, and I'm going to jump in here with this statement. And this is this. Some of us have some really terrible, bad, and dysfunctional relationships. I'm going to repeat that. Some, don't look at your spouse when I said dysfunctional. All right? Some of us, though, we have some terrible, bad, dysfunctional relationships. We see this within our families, within the workplace. And watch this. I'm going to help you out. Some of you even have a dysfunctional, bad, terrible relationship when it comes what? To God. You didn't want to hear that one. Now, we have defined that the reason that many of our relationships are the way they are is simply because we have defined them by how our society, culture, and how the world really looks and defines it as. You know, we're looking at cultural terms, so to speak. These terms are simply based upon several things. Personal convenience, you know. Uh, how about this? What we feel is good for me. Well, that is a contradicting style of relationship that God says, that's not what I intended. I have benefits to a degree in your relationships that you will never truly understand unless you're open to allowing me to speak it into your life. And unless you're allowing me to show you, unless you're, watch this, allowing to stick some things out. Now, I want you to understand this. We don't want to be wounded, right? We don't want to be hurt within relationships. But if we are going to go into a relationship with the kind of idea that if I'm not getting out of it what I need, well, that's not going to work. It's not necessarily what you are to receive in it, but how about this? Maybe it's what you can give into it. Um, God defines relationships on a completely different level. We see this first by modeling the relationship he has with us first. What is what? Simply a covenant. We know this. Covenant means to what? Cut or that there is blood involved. We see that. That's, you, you know, you, you take the um, statement till death do us part commitment. When we are making a commitment like that, it is to build a solid godly foundation for that relationship. And that really should be working within our lives today. So, Today, what we're going to look at is what I feel is a glue that will bind all of us in our other relationships together that is helping us form a covenant relationship with God. Today's message is primarily going to be on what your covenant relationship with God looks like or what it does not look like. Now, next week, I'm going to throw this out at you. We're going to look at friendships. We're going to look at your own personal friendships. Last week, we really did a foundational message. Today, we're going to look at what I feel is the most important relationship that you have within your life, and that is the one that is with God. Your relationship with God, first and foremost, most, must be successful in order for your remaining relationships to be successful. 
Let me help you out. You want your marriage to be successful. Be right with God in your relationship. You want your work relationships to be successful. Be right with God in your relationship. You want your friendships to be successful. Be right with God in your relationship with him. So what I want to do is I want to go as far as saying that there are some of you in here today who feel that you are in a covenant relationship with God, but you just may not be. In other words, you have a relationship, but it's not defined upon God's terms. All right. My hope this morning is that what you will get out of this is that you will see some areas to where your relationship with God, watch this, is just simply not right. Let's take a look at some scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 says, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will do this, what? I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. Now here's an important phrase. He goes on to say, I will be their what? I will be their God and they will be my people. Note that it does not say that God says, I will be their, ma their master and they are to serve me type of relationship. God wants people. God wants to be close to you. He absolutely longs for a relationship with you. You've ever longed for a relationship before? Yes. You have close friends. Why? Because there's a connectivity there. There's something inside of you that said, I want to get to know them more. I want to be closer with them. You have relationships with your spouse. Why? Because you have a longing for that. Let me help you out. How much more does your heavenly father want a relationship with you? A lot. A lot. Now, God wants people or he wants someone to be close to. Now, when you go through the Old Testament and you go through the New Testament, you can find at least five practices that show whether or not you are in a covenant relationship with God. And so that's what we're going to take a look at here in the next few moments. We're going to look at what these practices are and consider them for our own personal life. And in other words, for us to grow. You know, I don't want you to answer out loud because I don't want to be disappointed. But how many of you ruin a closer relationship with God? Think about that. That should be every single one of us in this room. We should all be going, I'm striving. I'm doing what I can. I need more with God. There could be even some of us in here going, I need more, but I'm not doing my part. I think the challenge that's being laid before us this morning is God is saying, look, I'm going to give you some practical ways. I'm going to show you something. And this is just a few. Just a few golden nuggets that we're going to pull from Scripture today to help with that. Number one is this, if you've got your notes, bloodshed, right? God initiated covenant with us by what? Sending his son to die. Let me help you out. Why? Because of your sinful nature. Let that sink in for a moment. Has anyone ever taken a fall for you in life? Has anyone ever taken the blame for something that you have done. See, I, I remember, I remember a moment uh, growing up, I had a really close friend and we got into a lot of trouble one day and he stepped up and took the entire blame for everything. And I sat back and I let him. 
You like that? Pastor. Well, you know, I was like 10, you know, whatever. And I looked at him. I was like, man, thank you. And he's like, yeah, you owe me, you know, that type of deal. Think about that. We have all been in those moments or you have taken the blame for somebody. Let me help you out here. What does the scripture say? It says this simply that God, what, what? He sent his son to die. He sent him to die upon a cross for our sins. So we know that there is a bloodshed covenant here that Jesus Christ, what? He bled for you and I. That is important for us to understand because he was trying to show the depth of his commitment to humanity. When you look at the cross and you understand what truly and really happened there that day, there should be no doubt within our lives the level of commitment that Jesus Christ paid for you and I, the love that he shared in that moment. God allowing his only begotten son, which is the greatest expression of love that could ever be shown to you within your life. God initiated his first covenant with Abraham. He instituted the covenant of circumcision. He wanted to see how serious that Abraham was about his relationship with God. That took a serious commitment. Can you imagine Abraham going back to the camp and saying, fellas, I heard from God. Guess what? I'll pass. God still was looking in that moment for bloodshed. He was looking for a covenant, not the literal and in and, and some sense as, as what maybe some would say would be considered as cultish in today's world, but the Bible tells us that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He made it to where we would never have to cut up an animal again. Could you imagine if we still had those Old Testament practices in play today? I can't stand if there's a piece of paper on the ground at the altar, much less just full of bloodshed. We understand that what Jesus Christ was this sacrifice for our sins, representing a covenant that could never, ever be broken. Now, let's take a look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of what? Our, of your sinful nature. Your sinful nature. Here's the point. A lot of us, here's what we do. We love God, but I'm gonna make a case that the relationship that many of us are in with God, well, let's just be honest. It's like a dating relationship. Why do I say that? Because we're still looking at others. We've never truly had that cutting away from the sinful nature. The cutting away of the things from our past. We've never truly separated ourselves. Maybe we have done in segments or a little bit or during seasons, but we have certainly not allowed ourselves to be completely separated from what was our sinful nature. We want a little bit of this and we want a little bit of that too. I want a little bit of God so that my, my, my eternal existence will not be in hell. But I want a little bit of this world because I need to satisfy that sinful nature within inside of me. 
what culture has defined and our society has defined to be a gray area to where, you know what, it, it, it's okay again, is not. What the Bible has defined, what is right and what is wrong, stays and stands forever. We must understand that the scripture is leading us and guiding us, not suggesting to us that God's laws are there for reason in our lives, not to see as a guideline, but to see as the very blueprint of. When a builder looks at a blueprint, some of you are builders, when they look at a blueprint, they must follow that to the exact. Getting off in any way could totally change the entire structure. We need to take this word of God that God has given us an understanding that God has placed a covenant with you and I that will not ever be broken through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. He has given us laws. He has given us direction. He has given us the blueprint on how you and I can live a life that could be pleasing in his sight. For many of us, we don't have covenant. We're in a relationship, but it's not the one that actually matters. We want Jesus' bloodshed, but yet we don't want our own cutting away. Secondly, there needs to be a name change. You see that today within marriage. Whenever someone gets married to their spouse, typically they take on the husband's last name. We see that with the interaction that God had with Abraham. His name actually was what? Abram. Now, what I want you to understand in the Hebrew, God's name had the word ha in it. All right. So God is saying in that moment that I'm putting my name in your name. And it changed what? To Abraham. Um, then you have not Sarai, but Sarah, understanding that. As Christ followers, we are to gladly bear the name of Jesus Christ. Not something we run from, but gladly take on the name. Not something to be ashamed of, but something to be proud of. Who am I? I am a Christ follower. There was a price paid for me that I did not deserve, that I could not pay myself, but yet God sent his only begotten son that whosoever what believes in him should not perish. The whosoever is me, the whosoever is you. A price that was paid, a bloodshed that happened, and the name change that can happen within our life. Lord, I am glad to take on the name of Jesus Christ in my life. I am glad to be a part of the family of God. You know, I love it in the Old Testament. You really do see there where, where God called Abraham. He goes, well, he's, a, he's my friend. He's my friend, right? But then you see the covenant completely change within the New Testament and says, no, what, what? We, are, we are what adopted into the family of God. Family, what does that mean? Blood. Blood is thicker than water, amen? Think about that. Now, if we would allow God to do a real work inside of us, he would change our identity. 
You can take a look at the example that has been given to us in Scripture with Jacob. His name was literally a trickster or deceiver. He lived his whole life with those labels. But God said, no more would you be called Jacob, but now you would be called Israel, which means simply what? Prince of God. So what's, what's great is that not only will he give us his name, but God does something else. He changes our identity. He not only allows us to carry his name, but now he says we carry the name of Jesus as the final authority above any other name. You and I, we have the name in our lives that is above all other names. He is higher than any sickness. He's higher than any financial distraction. He is higher than any argument. He's higher than any problem that you could ever have faced within your life. John chapter 14 says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and what? I will do it. So why does God want us to bear his name? He doesn't want to just be one of your relationships, but he wants to be your priority relationship. God wants to be family with you. The New Testament speaks strongly about our association within the church. Not just the global church, but also the local church. Getting involved, being committed with one another. Do you realize that we are a family here? We are a family. You may not see it all the time, but you carry one another's burdens. How do I know? It's funny because somebody will come up to me, Pastor, did you know this person, they're going through this, and we, I want you to know so we can pray over that. What is that? That's somebody carrying someone else's burden. That is encouraging. We should be encouraged by one another. Here we are going into life group season. I love life group season. Can I be honest with you? I love it because I love people. I love sitting around talking. I love just communicating. I love it that I get to not only, you know, stand up here every Sunday and every Wednesday and present a gospel message to you with life application, by the way. But I love the fact to sit around with a group of people. And, and, and this, this upcoming life group season, uh, something very much needed within our church is a men's study. And get to sit there with, with other men and, 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 and getting into God's word and, and plugging into it and then just having co- you know, common conversation. I don't mean common in the sense of Eastern Shore common. I'll never forget that. Pastor Thorne, I first met him. It was like the first day I met him. He says something, he goes, Kevin, I, I, Kev, that right there is common. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have not a clue. And then I realized common does not mean what I knew as common to mean, you know? But what? Building relationship. You don't understand how important that is for our lives. Building relationship with one another. God is saying, more importantly, I want to be a part of your family. I have done my part. I have formed a covenant with you. I'm waiting for you to form a covenant with me. All right, here we go. Next thing. An outward sign. 
meaning that there was something they showed on the outside of what happened on the inside. Woo! What are people seeing on your outside? Let's hit that one there for a second. Are you living what you're proclaiming? Are the actions, oh, just, what is it? Actions speak louder than what? Mm. Covenant is an inward decision expressed with an outward sign. One of the greatest covenants we see in scripture is that the covenant that God made with Noah. We know this, what God destroyed the entire water, but he made a covenant with Noah. Let's take a look at scripture. Genesis chapter nine, verses 16 through 17, it says this. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind of the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all what life on the earth. So whenever we see that rainbow, we should say to ourselves, this is not something a scientific. It's not a mist. It's not how the the the. The sun is, is shown against a, the, the rain, but it's a passionate reminder of what God made a covenant over. In marriage, the covenant is what? A wedding ring, representing that the person wearing it is in covenant with their spouse. In other words, what? If they're wearing it, they're off limits, right? That's how it should be. What is the outward sign of your relationship with Christ? What are people seeing through you? Go back to that statement. Actions speak louder than words. How are you living that life? Are we allowing ourselves to be disciplined in the spiritual disciplines? Is the word of God a focal point? Is prayer being done? Is devotion happening within the home? Are you allowing yourselves to come to gatherings such as this? In Christianity, the passionate sign of covenant really comes down to baptism. It's a display of what? Our love to God. God is passionate about that sign. Every covenant has an outward sign. Fourth, I love this one. You ready? Throw it up there. Yes, amen. <laughs> a meal. Right? Some people say, why do you like life groups so much? Because we have a snack. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We have nachos or we have donuts. You know, or, you know, you know, my one friend, his, his church, he says, man, I have a bunch of ladies and what they do is they cook meals as their life group. Sign me up. I want to be the taste tester. Right. But a meal, we see that in marriage, what the cake receptions, you know, that goes back centuries because that's what sealed a, co a covenant. Eating is a spiritual event. Jesus, less. Yes, I heard that this week and I was like, I got to write that down. I got to write that down. Somebody needs that. You know, Lord Jesus, thank you for food. But the first thing that you're going to do when you get into heaven, did anybody, nobody guessed. 
Did, did you guess mine? Thank you. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're not on our Facebook page, you need to get on our Facebook page. We have fun with it, all right? And we had fun this week. We were doing on there, uh, tell us a story using emojis only. And I put what I thought was the easiest and simplest thing. And I was waiting for somebody to comment to tell me that I, what it was. And I don't think anybody did, but thank you. You were paying attention. Awesome. The marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Now, let's take a look in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20. Because we can look at the modern day equivalent uh, of that is the Lord's Supper of Communion. We do that six times a year here at our church. The first Sunday every other month is how we, we uh, participate in that. But in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20, it says this, And he took bread. What did he do? He gave thanks. And he broke it. And he gave it to them saying this, This is my body given for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is what? Poured out for you. Every time we take communion, it's not a religious rite, but what we are doing, we're reminding God that, yes, we are in remembrance of the covenant that you made with us, but also the covenant, Lord, now that we are making with you. So how do we apply this within our life now? Not only participating within communion, but let me help you out here. How about within your family meals? That is something that has gone by the way for families in the culture society we live in. You know, we, we make a point, dinner time, we are always together. I want to help you out. Make sure that you're having that moment within your life, within your family. You can say, well, that's not spiritual. Yes, it is. God formed family. He made family. And he wants you to have those covenant relationships within your family. That time with one another to where, you know, we're setting aside every other distraction. You know, at our homes, uh, we, we, we try to do this. My mother-in-law fails at it all the time. But put the cell phone away. <laughs> oh, I nailed her. I nailed her. Uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that one later, right? The boys, we put the tablets away, and we try to, and she's like, yeah, but you need to do the same thing, Kevin. So, <laughs> See, we're there together. All right, here we go. Number five would be this, an exchange of everything. In every relationship, one of the two is getting the better end of the deal. Did you know that? In every relationship, one of the two is getting the better end of the deal. The, the, the exchange that we have with Jesus, we definitely got the end of the better deal here. Take a look. He gets our sin. We got his righteousness. He gets our sicknesses. We get his healings. We get our attacks, or he gets our attacks, rather, we get his victory. He gets our nature. We get his nature. He gets our poverty. We get his blessing. Christianity is the most incredible transaction to ever happen within your life. There is no equal, and yet there is still some of us who are reluctant to give God everything. 
Watch this. We still wonder if tithing works. You say, Pastor, we, you already talked about that for like a month. We, here we go, right? We still wonder if tithing works. Well, help yourself if you think that you can do a better job with what you have than God doing with what you don't have. The Bible says what? He will open up the what? The windows of heaven and pour out blessing so much that you cannot contain it. God, we are in covenant with you. God, we are going to demonstrate this regularly within my life. Everything that I have, everything we have, belongs to who? God. It is not yours. He has loaned it to you. That's how I look at it. Watch this. It's always better in his hands than it is in your own. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39 says this. Whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we will give God everything, we will receive much more in return. So there are two kinds of covenants. Some people are in relationship with God and they're doing it, but yet they don't want to. In other words, it's been hard. The struggle, it's, it's been a struggle. It's not been enjoyable for me. Others are in relationship with God and it's not hard. They have no problems. They have no difficulties doing that relationship. Simply not hard for them. Both relationships look the same on the outside, but both have a different motivation with on the inside. A lot of people think they are in a covenant with God, but they are actually operating in what would be considered as the old type covenant. The old covenant is a relationship that God has, which is established to show us the power of the new covenant. A lot of people have observed Christianity to be something as duty rather than devotion. What that simply looks like is not true because then that just allows Christianity to be simply labeled as religion. Christianity and religion are not the same thing. Religion is man observing and trying to obey God's code of conduct, attempting to gain God's acceptance through performance and through duties. Let's take a look here in Hebrews chapter eight, verses seven through nine, it says this way. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like a covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. In other words, he's talking about Moses and, and the Ten Commandments. But then Paul actually said that the law will bring death. Watch this. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Now here's a couple things about the old covenant and the new covenant. First one is this. The old covenant was completely external. It was a list of do's and don'ts, what I can and what I cannot do. We all have successes and failures every day. The old covenant would be like in a marriage where the internal love has died out. And you're only together because of the kids. That's making covenant on the wrong motivation. 
The new covenant is this, it's internal. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10 says, but this is the new covenant. I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. It's not just simply what I can and what I cannot do, but he's saying his spirit is in what? Residing inside of us. It's, it's a delight for us to live that life. Jesus said it this way. If you will live for me, then what? You will obey my commandments. The old covenant is about a master or the old covenant has a master. Again, viewing God the wrong way. Some of you sitting here today, when you think of God, you see him as mean, as distant, that he doesn't listen to you. Well, you simply don't know him. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. The new covenant sees this as a father. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 says this, what? I will be their God and they will be my people. God is saying, I want family. I want you. I want relationship with you. He knows you, yet he still wants you. Think about that for a minute. He knows you, yet he still desires relationship with you. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow, but yet he still gave his son for you. He knows what you're going to do in, in, in the you know, next hour or two hours, but yet he still has a love that is unconditional toward you. The old covenant has guilt or condemnation, as I like to kind of put it there. We are basing our relationship with God based upon what we do or don't. God knows what you already did. He knows what you're going to do, yet he still loves you. Everything you have done or you're doing or will do yet has already been paid for you. Hebrews says that we should approach the throne with what? Confidence. The new covenant has cleansing. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 12 says this, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. So what kind of covenant are you in? I'm gonna close with this scripture this morning in Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 23, and it says this. And I want you to listen to it very carefully. Put your full attention on this one moment here, please. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, what? I never knew you. 